With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In five, four, three, two, one. It's time for the rundown with Rob Sanders. Well, we're waiting. Welcome into the rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost like like December the 23rd, if you're a fan of the Gamecocks, as uh, we are right on the, basically the eve of the eve of uh, SEC play. I think it's, yeah, something like that. Anyway, to help us talk a little bit about the Gamecocks, I want to welcome in from the fit, from the uh, best Gamecock coverage across the hall on our sister station, former Gamecock assistant and, of course, uh, coach coached all over the place, Coach Eric Wilson. Hey, man, how you doing, bud? What is up, my friend? How are you? It's great to have you with us. I'm sad that I can't have you in studio. Uh, one of those things that COVID took away from us. But as always, you know that. Uh, I don't care if it's baseball season. There's always a chair here for uh, for Coach Wilson. So hey, when it when I can get in there, you'll get a big old bro hug, man. Fair enough on that. All right, <laughs> so you know you tweeted out something the other day, and I know that you and I talked about how we were going to talk about the uh, the Gamecock death chart, and I want to get into that. But uh, mm-hmm. I follow you on Twitter, and you said one of your first coaching assignments was. Uh, the Brandon Bennett game at UGA, man. Can you tell us a little bit about that and some of the emotions that you had going into that game? Yeah, so I was young, young coach. Um, I went to Grand Valley State University in Michigan, and I had coached two years up there with Brian Kelly, who now he's in Notre Dame. Back then he was someone, you know, an unknown in Division Two. And then uh, I had worked some camps over the summer in California over the course of like three years got to know a few people and in the summer of 93 there a job came open in the film room in Carolina just like grunt job breaking down film for the offensive staff uh you know like 10 hours on Sunday like we would literally work until 6 a.m on Monday to have all the film breakdown ready for the upcoming week uh and that's what that's how I got my foot in the door in South Carolina and it just so happened that that was that year that was the first game of the year at Georgia. Um, and that was my introduction to SEC football. It was insane. Yeah, and of course, the atmosphere was different from where you were before, obviously. I mean... Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, can you tell us the difference in the atmosphere? Because, you know, I've been to a lot of football games, but when you go to certain stadiums, I mean, it really just does feel different. Well, I, <clears throat> I remember when I first came down... We had some kind of a booster event, uh, you know, during camp. And uh, and a guy came up to me and introduced himself and started talking to me, asked me a little bit about myself. And he said, well, the first thing you're going to know once you've been down here for just a few weeks is 
that Saturday in South Carolina is a holy day and football is a religion. And uh, that um, having that my first game at Sanford Stadium in Georgia was just compared to, you know, my experience in college as a, as a player and then my experience as a, you know, a, a coach at a small school just blew me away. I mean, it was just the most unbelievable atmosphere I'd ever been around SEC football, and I've been enamored with it ever since. Uh, after the game, do you, do you remember anything after the game and the the excitement after uh, pulling off the upset there in that game? Because if I remember correctly, I mean, was, I mean South Carolina wasn't really favored to go in there and pick up that win. No, it was pandemonium. Georgia was ranked. I, I don't hold me, but I want to say they were like 15th in the country. They were ranked right. pretty well. South Carolina was not. Um, South Carolina had had rattled off a few good wins toward the. You know, in the previous year, but they were definitely I expected to get beat. Um, we went into that game, and Tanny Hill was the quarterback, um, and it was just a situation where right at the end of the game, we were out of timeouts. Uh, we were on the goal line. You know, we ran a play out of the power eye that uh, that we felt like it was a pretty high percentage play. It was an up and over to Brandon, and he got stuffed. And so there was, I think, 15 seconds left. We didn't have any timeouts, and this was now. This may not sound like a big deal, but you got to think this was way back before no huddle offenses, and everyone was used to running fast. Like this was back when everyone got in the huddle, and it right. took 30, 30 seconds to run a play. So there's fifteen seconds left to go. We get stuffed, and we got to get a play in, get back on the line of scrimmage, run the play. Uh, he, we ran the same play, but ran it to the opposite side. And he, he got up and over. We got a good block at the point of attack. He went up and over. And, and honestly, I think that call by Larry Munson at Georgia is one of the most iconic calls in SEC football. Like, And I'm not just saying that as a South Carolina fan during that game or because I was coaching there. Right. When I hear people re- talk about some of the best calls in, in the SEC, that one always comes up is that last two plays of that game. Well, when, when Larry Munson says, up and over, and he broke our hearts. <laughs> yeah, uh, my 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 heart in South Carolina has always been with, uh, of course, the voice of the two gentlemen that that called the games for South Carolina and Clemson. But uh, Munson's call in that game, it, it should be if we have a time capsule in college oh, football, man. that call needs to be in it. Just yeah, because you are not kidding. His the emotion that he had, and you actually felt like his heart was completely shattered. When uh, when Brandon Bennett went over the top there, so oh man, and if you watch it on YouTube too, the great part about the the way they got it on YouTube is they intercut the South Carolina call with Bob with Fulton. the Munson call, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with Bob Fulton, and so you hear you know them talking about him going up and scoring, and then you know oh, it's a fifteen yard penalty for celebration. Who cares? <laughs> you know, and it's like in South Carolina that Bob Fulton and. And I don't know who I can't remember who did his color back then, but they're celebrating like crazy, and then it it cuts into the Larry Munson call, or and you hear him, you know, doing the up and over, and he breaks our hearts. Brandon Bennett, an unbelievable athlete, up and over and breaks our hearts. I, I <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. I fully I, I'm behind that man. If we ever have a, you know, Jonathan Rush has a time capsule out at the South Carolina State Fair. They're supposed to open up uh, at some point, but if we ever have a college football capsule. That call needs to be in it, even though maybe we should make one. You know what? I'm all about that. <laughs> uh, we could definitely do uh, 
do a time capsule from in the state with just uh, South Carolina Clemson stuff. And, uh, I mean, we could definitely have a time capsule with that. But if I had my option, that would be one of the, one of the few calls that would go in there because of uh, just the heart that, uh, that Munson had. So, anyway, I yeah, wanted to ask you great, about that because – yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, I, I honestly, I think this is my fifth season working with you on our best Gamecock coverage, and I didn't know that, that was your first experience there as far as SEC play. So it's one of those things where I learned something about a friend of mine from Twitter. I was uh, outstanding uh, stuff the other day uh, from uh, from your Twitter feed, which you're going to be firing up this weekend, right, and doing a little bit of uh, back and forth with folks during the game, right? Yeah, I've actually – so if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Coach Eric Wilson. Um, I, I always tweet during the games. I usually will tweet things during the, our best Gamecock coverage as well. Um, and and then dur- during the, the preseason, like a couple of days beforehand, I start putting out stuff like I did on the, the that game at Georgia. And, right. Um, we'll get the Savage College Football podcast up there, which I do with Savage College Football over on Instagram. So I put up. A lot. I try to put up a lot of content the, the few days leading up to game day, and then if you follow me on game day, I'm tweeting South Carolina the whole game. And and one of the things that people tend to like is I don't just tweet comments during the game. I'll actually tweet about strategy, why certain things happened. Okay, he got, you know, we got up and over the top on this. Why did that happen? Well, it was because of a certain release, or why is this running play working, or why are people stopping us? What are we doing wrong? So I try to tweet. Uh, strategy and scheme so that people that are watching the game can get a little bit of a different insight into it other than just commentary like you get a lot from just people on the radio that are more color guys. Well, and and being one of those just color idiot guys on the radio, I I bring this question to you today because I actually went and researched this last night because um, this is my favorite part of the interview where I know I'm going to learn something. Tennessee has according to our expert yesterday that we had on from uh that covers the balls up there their starting tight end had back surgery they thought he was going to be back but he's out uh due to a setback their second stringer opted out so when tennessee takes the field on saturday they're going out there with at least their third string quarter uh, or tight end i went back and watched some of the indiana game last night for the plays that were effective for eric gray they went with a two tight end set so I ask you, the gentleman that understands schemes, uh, do you think Tennessee's going to run a lot of their third and fourth string tight ends to help uh, get uh, some stuff going for Eric Gray? Well, I mean, here's the thing. They're challenged in the wide receiver room, too. Like, they've right. got a very similar situation uh, at wide receiver as South Carolina does with uh, unproven talent. You know, Callaway was gone from last year, um, as well as their other great receiver, and so, you know, they've got uh, two redshirt seniors in Brandon Johnson and Bellis Jones, who they got listed on, at at the Z, uh, Ramel Caton, who's a sophomore. And then, uh, but then with, usually if you get t- tight ends hurt, right, you're like, okay, well, we'll play with uh, one tight end and three wides, or we'll just get into more wide receiver sets. But they don't have wide receivers to lean on that are proven. So it's, they really are going to have to make a judgment call coming into this game do I want to lean on inexperienced tight ends or do I want to lean on inexperienced wide receivers? Because you're going to have to do one or the other. You're either going to be putting in two tight ends that uh, don't really have any experience and, 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 or you're going to play with that with one or with none and, and put in a bunch of receivers you don't trust. So it really is going to come down to 
which group do they feel better about knowing that they're both inexperienced and then they're going to have to make in-game adjustments. If you put those guys in at tight end trying to run what you want to run. I mean, if I'm a coach and I'm in that situation, I'm probably going to do what I, you know, what do I really want to do from a standpoint of what's my offensive identity? Uh, and, you know, in that situation, I'm going to try to do that. Now, if I do that and my tight ends can't hold up, then I'm going to go into some different sets with less tight ends uh, in the so that I can see if, if those wide receivers will hold up. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of evaluating on the fly for the Tennessee offensive staff to see which one of those guys are performing best and then getting into sets that are taking advantage of the kids who are showing up and getting out of the sets that uh, where kids are, are getting beat. Well, the one skill position set that if I'm a if I'm uh, on the Tennessee staff that I'm uh, not not necessarily happy with, but uh, and I feel safe with is is Eric Gray. If you watch some of his tape, I mean, he is a, a really I'd say he's a good running back as far as the SEC goes. But I watched last night and the 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 sets he did the best in were when they ran two tight ends. And I just wonder if they're going to change their game plan a little bit, maybe try to. Um, do more stuff to running to the uh, towards the sideline and things like that instead of running in between the tackles uh, without the uh, the extra tight ends. Well, and they also had I, I agree with you. Eric Gray's a, a really good back. Uh, he he improved as the year went on last year to the point where you you could potentially say that he's got the ability to be a, a premier back in the SEC. He's only a sophomore, um, and uh, and from a scheme standpoint, there are things that you can do to kind of mirror those looks right so if you if you lined up in two tight ends and you were getting a lot of uh tr- you know action or a lot of traction out of let's say a, a tight end two tight ends to the same side which tennessee liked to do they would put a tight end in line on the line of scrimmage and they would put another one right off his hip in what we call a wing position uh, and the reason they did that was to try to get numbers at the point of attack you can do the same thing with one tight end and, and putting two wide receivers to the same side of the field. That creates what we call a tight end trips formation. Now, you don't have the same amount of, of leverage right there off the tight end side because you don't have guys that are as big, but by playing a tight end trip situation you're, and putting two wide receivers to that side, then you're, you're literally making the defense extend their nickel back out into – the uh, the alley, and so by formation you can get into some of the same leverage situations with different personnel groups. If that makes sense, hey, I've learned something today. There you go. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the adjustment that Tennessee is going to make. And I know that they have to change things every year as far as with different personnel and stuff like that. But last year when they got going, I think it was obviously they used uh, the wide receivers they had, but. I thought that that Gray was a was a big part of that. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Gamecock death chart. And you mentioned the Gamecock wide receivers. Uh, when I look, I don't see a Brian Edwards type, a big, huge guy that can uh, be physical and get you uh, get you a catch in traffic. Uh, what do you expect out of this Gamecock wide receiver core this year? Well, it's like we just said, it's a, it's a big question mark. Uh, you know, when you look on their depth chart, the number two guy at every position is a true freshman. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've got the carrying joiner listed in the slot and his, and his number. 
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For two is Jakari Caldwell. Uh, Xavier Leggett is Enrico Powers, a true freshman behind him. And then behind Shai Smith is Luke Doty, a true freshman. So what does that tell you about the depth of that receiver position? There's guys like, you know, Ortre Smith has opted out. Um, guys like Josh Van, who we expect at this point in their career should be stepping up and should be starters, are, are not even on the depth chart. So I, you're really unproven there. Um, Shai Smith has the speed to take the top off the defense. But like you said, he's not a 50-50 guy. He's not Brian Edwards where you can throw the ball to a point, you know, 30 yards down the field and, and expect and ask him to go up and get it and win. Right? So... Uh, the, guy, the guy that's probably the closest to that is Xavier Leggett. I mean, he's six feet tall. He's 210 pounds. Um, he does have a really good ability to get up in the air. Um, he's, but he's not 6'4", right? So you, there's no way that you can uh, circumvent height. Uh, and so they're going to have to look and be, do a better job, quite honestly, on matchups. Uh, and then the other interest, like if I'm, again, I'm, I'm – I'm nowhere near doing what they do, but right. you know, I think if I'm Mike Bobo, I'm also looking. How do I get matchups in other places? Nick Muse is six four, right? And when you see teams that have um, smaller wide receiver cores all the way across, and they don't really have a big guy, sometimes they'll do that with their tight end. Um, you know, Kevin Mullins is a guy who can run and potentially do some of those things. He's not, you know, four five guy or four four guy. But he's super athletic. Uh, he's tall and he's long. And I've seen teams, especially in the NFL, where if, if they can get a mismatch in height and it's their tight end, that's the guy that they put out there and create a mismatch. So it'll be interesting to see if Mike Bobo does anything unusual like that where he might put a tight end in a place where you wouldn't usually see him or whether they're just going to change schematically and not really rely on the 50-50 ball like they have in the past. Do you think there's a chance that uh, – I know Coach Muschamp said that uh, Luke Doty took a lot of snaps with the uh, the number twos. Do you think there's a chance they may have a couple of special packages for him at quarterback? Uh, I mean, there's always that chance. He, you know, he's a super athletic kid. It, I think what it really comes down to is how much they think he's going to figure into the passing game because as, as a receiver in the, in the first year. Because at the end of the day, he, he's a true freshman. Physically, you know, he's a really good at looking athlete. I mean, he's, he's, you know, six foot tall. He's 210 pounds. Uh, you know, he's a big strapping kid, but he's also a true freshman who's learning the entire system, you know? So how much can you really put on him mentally from the standpoint of, uh, you know, okay, I want you to learn these packages as a, as a quarterback, but I also want you to know the entire offense as a receiver. I think what it really comes down to is where do they need him the most? And how much can he absorb? So in the beginning, uh, I, I think that's something you might see more over time. Um, I could get surprised with it, but I think with, with a starting quarterback in Colin Hill who's never stepped foot on, on the, the field for South Carolina, having gone through a big quarterback 
battle with Holinsky and the fact that those guys are getting a ton of reps um, and that you've got to get him comfortable in the game plan. You know, for me, I, I don't know that I would be switching quarterbacks in and out and trying to create packages. I'd, I'd want to try to get my offense going and run what I want to run so we can establish an identity. Well, let's talk about the running back core for just a second here. I mean, I don't think that there's really uh, when they didn't really come out and say, okay, one guy is better than the other uh, with with Harris and and Fenwick. Are we going with the two headed monster here just to see who's <laughs> the hot back, basically? Yeah, I mean, I think you've heard him talk about that a lot in the preseason and in the whole running back by committee thing, which and I never love that because it basically means no one's really separated themselves. Right. Obviously. You know, you'd have to be a, um, a hermit under a rock to not know about Marshawn Lloyd. But, you know, that's that's South Carolina's luck is they, they get one of the best backs in the country, finally a huge win on a running back who they fully expected to be their starter, and he goes down with an ACL. So I think, you know, from everything I've, I've read and heard, Kevin Harris I think stands out above Fenwick from the standpoint of uh, I think he's just a little bit more reliable um, from a protection standpoint, that's a big thing that you know a lot of people don't think about is they think about the ball, the, the guy carrying the ball, but they also want to think about the fact that he's got to protect when we're throwing the ball, especially in the kind of uh, offense that Bobo's running where he likes throwing a lot of play action. They're involved in the protection. So I think part of it's how much can I trust the guy, uh, and then part of it's you know, how well do they see. You know, one thing I will say is the Quandre White uh, – White, the Condre White, uh, who's a transfer from Iowa Western. He's a 6'1", 200-pound kid. He's super athletic. He's got a burst. Um, he's a little bit more of a difference maker from everything I've heard than Harrison Fenwick. He's been nursing a hamstring, so how much he'll actually play uh, will be interesting to see. But I think he's a guy that if he gets healthy, I think you'll see him start working his way into the, to the lineup and even potentially – uh, having it. Coach, did you drop off with us there? Uh, I don't know what happened to Coach there. Coach! All right. I think Coach Wilson kind of dropped off with us there for a moment as he was talking about, of course, the... Did you? Yeah. Coach, what's up, man? Rob. Okay, yeah. Hey. Oh, did I lose you? Yeah, you lost me there for a second. I was like, oh, what happened to Coach? But, yeah, I, oh. I agree with you with what you were talking about with uh, the transfer in at running back. Uh, once he gets healthy, he may be in the mix there. But I'm kind of with you, though, if one of those guys should have broken away. And, I, you know, last season they kind of did the same thing. Uh, but both of those running backs are on NFL rosters. So, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of different. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I, you know, I don't want to minimize uh, Harris or Fenwick. I think right. they've both been solid players for South Carolina. You know, and, and they're a year older. They're a year more experienced. Um, and so I think they're both steady guys. It's just neither one of them is a guy that we that you anticipate being uh, someone who's going to break out and, and have 180 or 200 yards because they're so dynamic that they're going to, you know, make a great cut in the hole, make a guy miss, and then outrun the safety and take it 70 yards to the house. Right? That's, right. That's kind of what you're missing with those two. And that's what you had with Marshawn Lloyd. Um, and – Hopefully, uh, we'll, we might get something close to that with the Condre White if he gets healthy. Uh, let's talk defense really quick here with uh, with uh, Coach Eric Wilson here on the rundown on Fox Sports Radio fourteen hundred. 
I think the strength of the South Carolina defense is in the secondary, but it seems like, and we've talked about this before, that where it seems like the Gamecocks can always uh, use some help is at, in the linebacking core. Um, other than Ernest Jones, uh, what do you think of the linebackers that South Carolina are bringing out this year, and can they help the team uh, – uh, make the difference like they kind of came up a little short last season? Well, Sherrod Green is uh, a second-year starter who got a lot of playing time the previous year. Uh, you know, two years ago, uh, he was definitely the weak link in the chain. Um, I thought he was somewhat improved last year. I still thought that he was the weakest of the three. I, he's got to improve significantly. Um, Ernest Jones, I think, is very solid at, at the mic position. Uh, Brad Johnson, who was a buck up until this year, has been moved from the buck up to the Sam linebacker position. He's dropped a little weight. He's running better. I think that's going to be a big question right there is can he adapt to that position, understand how to get into coverages, uh, do some of the things that are, are not just physical but are also mental that are different than playing the line. Uh, if If he can pick up the position and Sherrod can improve as much this year, over uh, as much as he did last year and, and still see continued improvement, they've got a chance to be better than they were last year as a position group. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the linebackers do uh, on Saturday. And then, of course, you know, on the defensive line, you've got, of course, Zach Pickens, who um, has had the, uh, is, had the opportunity last year, didn't quite have the season that he want, but um, – Going into this year, though, I mean, they're, they're going to lean on this defensive line a good bit. And where do you think they're going to go with, uh, with Jordan Birch? How much time do you think that he will get uh, heading into this season? Well, I think when you look at the defensive line, I think, you've got a, I think they feel pretty decent about that group. It, it's not a group that's going to jump out at you as a whole, but I think Keir Thomas and Jabari Ellis are really solid at the defensive tackle position. Like you said, Pickens, um, you know, it, it's going to be – his second year in the system and give him the opportunity to kind of jump out and, and, you know, be the guy that everyone expected him to be coming out of high school. So it'd be interesting to see if he can do that. Um, at the buck position, Jordan Birch is, is right now behind uh, Ingbari. And Ingbari really, from everything I'm hearing, is had an amazing offseason. Uh, they really think he's a difference maker at that position. Uh, dynamic guy. He's long, six four, which is, you know, if you're a six four guy at that position and you know how to use leverage, you're really hard to block. You know, he's gained some weight. He's two seventy now. Um, so I think he's got a chance to be good. Uh, Jordan Birch, from everything, you know, hearing and talking to to people that are in the know and or in the program, <clears throat> he's he's an unbelievable athlete. Um, you know, mentally. Uh, he's a really smart kid, but he's a true freshman. So I think the learning curve is one that, you know, he's obviously good enough that they've got him at number two already as a true freshman. But my guess is you're going to see him situationally, uh, give him an ability to, to basically put him in situations where he can be an athlete. He doesn't have to think too much. He can use uh, his natural skill set. And then as he grows into the position, you see him play more and more. Um, Aaron Sterling's over on the other side. You know, he's little for an SEC defensive end. He's 6'1", 245, but they, they consider him reliable. Uh, and his backup is another true freshman, Tonka Hemingway, who's a 6'3", 265 kid from 
Conway that they're really excited about. He's really athletic. Again, he's long like Ingare, and uh, I think he's got a lot of upside. I'm looking forward to the matchup on Saturday night with Tennessee. The Vols are a uh, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Should be uh, an interesting uh, setup there. Uh, for the Gamecocks. And, of course, our best Gamecock coverage starts at 4.30 on Saturday on our sister station, 103.5 FM WVOC. It'll be nice to hear you in stereo, sir. <laughs> I'm looking forward to being in stereo, my friend. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to get in there and get after it. Um, you know, we're from what I'm being told, we're not going to be at the stadium for a while, Yeah, um, which is, you know, I, I love being in the atmosphere, but it's, you know, it is what it is. It's COVID year, and um, I'm just excited to be talking about SEC football and, and Gamecock football again. All right, tell folks where they can find you on Twitter because you put out a lot of great information there. And, of course, uh, the podcast that you do, the Savage College Football Podcast. Yeah, at Coach Eric Wilson on Twitter. Uh, give me a follow and just keep your eye on the feed during uh, game days. And then podcast, uh, there's a uh, – an Instagram account called Savage College Football that um, I've got a, a buddy of mine who does, and it's a really good account. It's got about 11,000 followers. Well, we jumped a podcast off of that last year, and that podcast is a, is a whole college football. It's not just South Carolina. So we literally look at every conference across the country. We always preview the, the week's games. We talk about last week's games. And then anything else that's you know poignant needs to be discussed. So you can find that on iHeartRadio app as well as Apple iTunes. All right, man. Looking forward to seeing you on Saturday as we uh, kick off the SEC season. Yes, sir. Good All talking right. to you, my friend. Thank you, Coach. All right, Coach Eric okay. Wilson joining us here on the Rundown this afternoon. Uh, it's nice to bring somebody on that understands the X's and O's. And with that, what we talked about with Tennessee not having their uh, – their tight end, yeah, that's going to be kind of a big a big thing now when you really stop and think about it. That's going to be kind of a big a big thing now when you really stop and think about it. And I don't like when I uh, when coaches talk about yeah we're going to have to adjust on the fly. No, nobody likes that, man. Will this Vols offense be decent on Saturday night? I think it's going to affect the running game, which I think they want to lean on Eric Gray, who is, as Coach Wilson said, has the potential to be a dominant back in the SEC. How's that going to work out for them? Yeah, it's going to be some interesting stuff there. All right, so we're going to take a break in a moment. Uh, When we come back, we're going to have uh, Tyler Crowder, host of Kicking It with Crowder, talk a little bit of Las Vegas betting lines. Uh, The man makes money. If you follow him on Twitter at Kicking It With Crow, uh, I think he's up like 16 picks on the month, something stupid like that. He's going to give us some of his uh, favorite picks of the day and some picks for tonight in the uh, the Thursday night football game with uh, the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we'll uh, get his picks in just a moment. Be sure to follow uh, Coach Eric Wilson on Twitter at uh, Coach Eric Wilson. And I'm on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. I'll be tweeting out throughout the day uh, for the matchup on Saturday, just like I do uh, every weekend, regardless of who's playing. So be sure to check that out as well. Podcast for this show, if you missed any of the interview with Coach Wilson, will be up about 5 o'clock. Tyler Crowder, host of Kicking with Crowder, joins us in a moment. You're listening to The Rundown. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back into the rundown here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Around the world on the iHeartRadio app. We're going to head out to the phones and welcome in the host of Kicking It with Crowder. Tyler Crowder, we're going to talk some winning picks today, right? Yeah, Rob. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on, brother. It's great to have you with us today. And uh, you got to get your stuff together, man. We need we need some winners. That's how that's how it I works know. today, right, brother? Yeah, we uh, we uh, struck tough week so far on the uh, on the betting front. You know, I give ten locks every week, and uh, so far off to a slow start this week. And uh, trying to have nine consecutive weeks of five hundred or better. Um, so we'll see what happens tonight, but uh, I got some I got some picks out there, so we'll see what happens. Well, let's start with the Thursday night game. You've got uh, the battle for the state of Florida, where Miami will be taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, what's your pick on this game, man? Yeah, and Jaguars, you know they are they have played some decent football this year so far. Beat the Indianapolis Colts, and then I think somebody around. somebody forgot to tell them they're supposed to be tanking for Trevor Lawrence. That's why they gave away Leonard Fournette. They gave away their uh, big defensive lineman. I mean, they really went into we want to lose every game we play, but somebody forgot to tell the team because they have been very competitive. Yeah, they're they're a young team, and a lot of these guys. Uh, you know they do still have some some high draft picks. They have uh, they have Josh Allen, you know the Kentucky outside linebacker. Of course, they draft C.J. Henderson, the cornerback from Florida this past year. So they got some young guys that they can kind of build around. But yeah, everyone thought this year, you know, they're kind of going to be tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and that you know, Garden Minshew has actually played pretty good football. Uh, you know, the former uh, Coastal Care. I know it. Where did he play? He played at East Carolina. And then uh, he also played at Washington State. He's he's a, he's a good football player. His mustache and, uh, annoys me, though. I I mean, it, just shave the mustache, dude. I, I like I like it, man. It's just like his whole like like his whole style. I like just like him. He he's a hard guy not to root for. Okay. Um, not saying he's going to be a top five quarterback in the league or anything, but I think he can you know make a career out of this and uh, he won't and make my fantasy squad. Everyone. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so. So the, the the Jaguars are are shocking people right now, and they're actually a favorite uh, over the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is of course the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. But could you see maybe Tua tonight uh, make his NFL debut? Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield a couple years ago on Thursday night made his NFL debut. Uh, could you see Tua tonight? Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to this game, and uh, I'm taking the points with with the Dolphins. I'm taking the minus three. Uh, with the Miami Dolphins, I would be shocked if they they did not win tonight. Um, Thursday night, uh, you know, just a weird. It's it's not it's the JV game of the NFL uh, for sure this week uh, with the Dolphins taking on the Jaguars. So not a lot of people will be watching. I will be watching very closely. Of course, and I'm you taking will. the Miami Dolphins with the points plus three and uh, look for Miles Gaskin, the second year running back out of Penn State, uh, who was behind Saquon Barkley. 
uh, behind uh, in Miles Sanders at Penn State. But he's actually uh, getting some carries for the Miami Dolphins, and uh, he's a receiving threat out of the backfield, has 10 catches so far in the young season. And, uh, you know, they do have some receivers as well. Uh, so look for the Miami Dolphins to make some plays tonight. And um, I'm going a close one. I'm going 27-21 uh, Miami Dolphins tonight. My, my take on that whole Miami game is very simple. If you lose this game to the Jacksonville Jaguars, you are at 0-3. I I am not playing Father Time at quarterback anymore. Your season yeah. is over. Let's put Tunga Viola out there and let's see what he can do. I mean that that's that's what you should do. It shouldn't be this whole thing. What is he gonna learn from sitting on the bench watching a team that may win four games with the quarterback they have? Yeah, and uh and Fitzpatrick, he's a he's a great guy to actually um kinda hand over the, the torch to. Yeah, hand him the I mean, clipboard. Ryan, that, <laughs> right, Ryan Fitzpatrick has seen it all. Uh, yeah. You know, he's been with eight, eight, nine teams in the NFL. Uh, actually, put up some decent numbers in his career. But uh, everyone knows who the future of that franchise is. And uh, I would like to see two tonight. You know, if Miami struggles in the first half, uh, starts off slow, uh, you could possibly see uh, his debut tonight on Thursday Night Football. But yeah, I'm taking the Dolphins, man. I, I just, I, I going into this season, I think the Dolphins. Uh, we're, you know, just a little bit better football team than Jacksonville Jaguars. Most people would say that. Uh, but so far, you know, Jacksonville has surprised people. Um, they, they, they're, they're fun to watch on offense. They have some guys making plays. But DJ Shark, a, uh, the wide receiver, uh, former LSU Tiger, is out tonight for Jacksonville. So that's a little bit of news there as well. Uh, so, yeah, pound the Dolphins tonight. I'm taking the Dolphins. Let's see what happens. All right. So you got a couple other picks uh, for the night, right? Yes, and in my game of the week this week for the SEC, and uh, this is just the best matchup to me. Um, I know that Auburn and Tennessee, I mean, I know Auburn and Kentucky play, but I, I really like this Tennessee versus South Carolina matchup. Uh, I, uh, Jeremy Pruitt coming off a six game uh, winning streak to end the season last year gets the uh, contract extension today, $400,000 raise uh, for the next two seasons. And I think Jeremy Pruitt is minus three and a half. Tennessee over South Carolina was kind of shocked that that spread was that low, uh, considering you know uh, South Carolina you know lost their their top running back recruit uh, before the season started, and then also they're bringing in the grad transfer Hill from uh, Colorado State, who of course has three ACL surgeries as well, and uh, he beats out Helensky, which was you know. I heard it wasn't that shocking if you've been watching and keeping up with the team, but you know, from the from an outsider who doesn't really pay attention uh, to South Carolina football, uh, kind of shocking that Hill came in there and won that job. I guess he just knows that system with Bobo uh, just a little bit better than Helensky. But uh, I think Tennessee gets it done over South Carolina. I like Tennessee twenty-seven twenty over South Carolina. So I'm going to take them minus three and a half over the Gamecocks this weekend. What do you think about the the over under on that game? Because uh, I think it's going to be kind of a I, I kind of like the under in my opinion. I think you're just going to run at each other in between the twenties. And what what is the over under in that? Rob? Uh, I got to look at it. I've got it over here on the other side of my notes here, but I I, I think it's going to be uh, I'm taking the under low scoring. Yeah, low scoring matchup there. I I, I think that that's going to be kind of the way across the country. Whereas I don't see a lot of a lot of teams that are going to be smooth on the offensive front um, yeah. early in the season. And the over-under is 43-and-a-half. 
43 and a half? Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I like the under. You like the under? Well, my prediction for the game, I would go over. But, you know, um, I'm not sure. I, I, I really don't like to touch over-unders, especially this early in the season. Right. I really just look at, at, at point spreads and things like that. So I like Tennessee. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, I like what they've done on the offensive line there. They've uh, tried to solidify that defense as well. So I'm taking Tennessee um, by a touchdown over the Gamecocks for that one. And then we head to Auburn. And this is a team that a lot of people are kind of picking to get upset this week versus Kentucky, the Kentucky Wildcats. But uh, I just don't see it. Uh, I see Bo Nix in his second year, and he should make a big, big improvement from his first season uh, on the Plains. And I think that that Bo Nix in this explosive offense who has, you know, three or four running backs who can get the job done. Also, Seth Williams, number 18 wide receiver. Uh, Schwartz, the speedster outside as well. Uh, I think their their offense is going to be very explosive. And you have Terry Wilson, who's coming back from a major knee injury last year uh, where he missed, you know, nine football games. And right. uh, I just think that, uh, you know, losing losing some guys on offense, they lose uh, their, their do-everything guy, Lynn Bowden. And uh, I like I like Auburn by ten in this game, covering the seven and a half. Uh, Gus Malzahn trying to get on uh, and get going in the SEC, and I think uh, they don't look forward to that week two match matchup with UGA. But I think they go ahead and get it done against uh, Kentucky and uh, win by ten. Uh, an interesting uh, matchup there. I wanted to throw one more game at you really quick here: uh, Alabama on the road at Mizzou. Uh, Alabama is a 27-point favorite. That is a lot of points in an SEC game. It, it is a lot of points, but to be honest, if there's a team who's going to get it done this first week coming off a pandemic, uh, being you know well-coached by Nick Saban, I, I think Alabama could be up 35 nothing at halftime. I mean, it could be that kind of slaughter going on. Now, if they hold on in the second half, uh, we'll see, but uh, Max uh, Jones is going to be the quarterback, but I've already said it on this show before. I think Bryce Young will take over uh, by midseason and look for Bryce Young to make his debut uh, t- uh, on Saturday versus Missouri. And uh, if I had to, t- if I had to bet on it, I would take the I would take uh, Alabama. But uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, those big spreads are. I always try to stay away from them. Right. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. On the one of the other oh, yeah. big spreads that's out there, and I, I kind of not that I'm like big on the Vanderbilt train, but 31 points mm-hmm. with Texas A&M, that is a lot of points uh, for a team that hasn't played yet. You're saying they're four touchdowns and a field goal worse. I know Vanderbilt's lost a lot, but wow, that's a, a huge spread. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not sold on Texas A&M like a lot of other people are this year. I'm just I'm just not. I know Jimbo Fisher is going into his third year, but I think they're the third or fourth best team in the West. I know some people have picked them maybe as a surprise team out of the West this year. Uh, I have Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and then Texas A&M. So, yeah, 31 points, that's a a hell of a lot of points. I mean, all you got to do is just keep it close for a half uh, going into halftime, you know, and uh, you'll probably cover. So, uh, if I had to pick any points in that game, I would pick Vandy, but, man, Vanderbilt. And Arkansas, those two teams are in for a tough, tough season this year uh, in the SEC. All right, Tyler, tell folks where they can uh, find your show. It's on uh, iTunes and pretty much everywhere you want, right? Yeah, it's on Apple, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app. I'm uh, also on YouTube, guys, and 
uh, Twitter as well, at KickItWithPro. And then uh, for another pick tonight, guys, basketball, uh, I'm pounding the Nuggets plus 7.5. I bought an extra point, and uh, I'm taking them tonight over the Los Angeles Lakers. They're trying to even it up tonight. I think it's going to be a very close game. So I'm taking the Nuggets with the points tonight in the NBA. All right, Tyler, man. Thanks for joining us, buddy. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me, man. All right. There you go. Tyler Crowder, host of Kicking It with Crowder, joining us here on the rundown this afternoon. Uh, Good stuff there from him, man. If you are in the land of, hey, I want to place a couple of bets. All right. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show. This is the rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Final segment of the rundown this afternoon here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Appreciate my guests today. Of course, Coach Eric Wilson. Talk a little bit about the Gamecock death chart. His memories from back in the day when he was a young assistant coach. First SEC experience coaching uh, was the Brandon Bennett South Carolina game where uh, a Brandon Bennett game with Georgia where Brandon Bennett goes in and uh, Takes him twice, but finally gets in and uh, breaks everybody's heart, as uh, as um, the uh, Georgia play-by-play man said. So, if you missed that interview, it'll be up on the podcast this afternoon if you want to uh, check that out. So, some other notes before we get out of here today. Uh, last night, I enjoyed watching uh, Tyler Hero with the Heat. If you're a fan of um, the underdog, man, you, you got to love the Miami Heat right now. Up three games to one on the Boston Celtics. I've enjoyed watching some of that matchup. And I know that everybody's just, oh, we're going to give it to the Lakers. But wouldn't it make your heart feel a little bit better if a team that was a blood and guts team, because that's kind of what Miami is, if they went into the mix and beat the Lakers, that, that would be a win, man. A win for the little guy, in my opinion. I like Jimmy Butler. I like Tyler Hero. 37 points last night. Just outstanding. Outstanding stuff there. So, um, one of the other notes that I had from uh, last night. Oh, the Braves kind of take another hit on the pitching front with uh, Max Freed uh, having an issue with his ankle. They pull him after one inning. Uh, They say that he injured himself uh, fielding a bunt. That is not what the Atlanta Braves need right now. Just not what you want. The Braves having uh, some issues on the pitching staff anyway, and they're a team that if they're going to win the World Series, it's going to be a lot of 7-5 to games because the Braves can hit, but their relief pitching is good too. But their starters are not very good. Right now they're the number two seed in the National League, they would be playing the San Francisco Giants as the seventh seed if the season ended today. So, yeah, there's that with the Braves. Hopefully, Freed can come back and at least give them one guy. I know they like uh, Ian Anderson a little bit, but, wow, I just I, you wonder what the Braves would be if they had a, at least one more starter. They were supposed to get that with Cole Hamels, but he – my, my my thoughts about that are on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. He basically shook the Braves for $18 million for one start. He should give them his check back. Seriously. I mean, killing me with all that. Anyway, as I said, my thoughts on that are on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. Go ahead and check that out. 
uh, podcast up at 5 o'clock. Don't forget Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk. He is up next. Um, he will uh, take you home with some good Clemson stuff this afternoon. Not just Clemson stuff. I mean, he's got a wide range of uh, some great stuff that he puts out there. His website is ClemsonSportsTalk.com. But he's on every day here from 4 to 6 in the crown jewel of the Clemson Sports Talk radio network because, hey, Lawton's so big, he's got to be on on like eight different stations, whatever it is. He's all over the place. But uh, go and check out Lawton Swan show. He's on right after me. And then tomorrow morning, Friday morning with Teddy Hefner, man. If you want to learn something about the game for the weekend, I'm sure Teddy will have something. Something. It seems like every game weekend he's got something. He may have it this weekend with uh, or tomorrow morning. Talking sports with Teddy Hefner on from 9 until noon. So be sure to check out Teddy as well. Also, my blog page. Don't forget that. FoxSportsRadio1400.com. A lady got tased at a middle school football game because she didn't wear her mask. People are upset with me because uh, they think it's about the mask. No, she got tased because she didn't listen to the cops. Go and check out that video. It's up on the website, FoxSportsRadio1400.com. And if you're going to a game, wear a mask. It's the law. You got to wear it. I mean, it's like the speed limit. You you just got to follow it. All right, more of the rundown tomorrow. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. My name is Rob Sanders. We will see you tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.